Welcome to Running is Bullshit. I'm Amy. And I'm Stuart, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. Uh, welcome to episode 92, and this week we're talking about Amy tripping over words instead of pavements, more race cancelling, car manufacturers making shoes for some reason, and we also speak to Catherine Donovan from Infinity Running about the struggles of a small race events company. Lovely jubbly. Uh, also, to complain about something straight away, I made the mistake of cross-training last week, and I ache so much. Well, I did last week. I ate for about three days from a truly pathetic weight session. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm not even going to tell you how much it was because I'm embarrassed. I know you shouldn't be because it doesn't matter. Everyone's different, doing their own thing. But it was so shit. That <laughs> I just don't want to do it again. Oh, I, I have no shame. Like, I posted on Instagram that I did, like, a 55 kilogram deadlift, which is, like, a PB for me. But that's, like, really light for a lot of people. I'm like, I don't care. I'm, like, five foot three. I am weak as hell. I'm weak in my... I'm, like, a... Yeah, but that that's still a PB, though, you did. Exactly. I just did a really shit one. Oh, okay. But even so, like, I, I thought... Part of me was thinking, should I post this? Because, you know not that great and but i i am a sickly victorian child so people just need to be like wow look what, look what she's doing she's out she's like lifting and stuff that's really really good that's how people need to treat me you can't compare me to normal people you know so, you're, you're but, basically like tiny tim exactly exactly but i i'm aching like hell after that session like yesterday i went i just did 5k yesterday and i kept having to stop and my hip was hurting i'm like why is my hip hurting i was like oh yeah because i i did weights at the gym four days ago yeah, if there's any listeners that haven't seen pictures of Amy or doesn't fo- don't follow us on social media or anything, yeah, think Tiny Tim with a baseball cap. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sorry, a backwards baseball cap. <laughs> That's me. That's that is your me. aesthetic all over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got another question to start us off as well. And it's something I asked on Twitter the other day. How much trail do you need to classify as a trail run on Strava? Because I wonder about this, because you've got the option now on Strava of... Um, setting something as a trail run rather than just a run but i've just done a few recently and i'm thinking is this a trail run because it doesn't really feel like one fully does it need to be a full trail run what are your perspectives amy before we go to results well what are we counting as trail as well like, we exactly like a gravel path like exactly. so those familiar with cardiff i run on the ely trail a lot it's called a trail because it's like a walking thing is but it's not really a trail, but at the same time, it's not pavement. It's like that sort of packed in mud stuff. Yeah, you know? it's packed gravel path. I guess yeah, that kind of yeah, is yeah. a trail. But it's completely flat all the way. And it's, you know, people cycle down there on road bikes yeah. and stuff. If you ran so... all of that, you couldn't call it a trail run, could you? No, no, no. I do, I do it regularly. And there's no difference between running that and running on the pavement, to be quite honest. Maybe it's a bit better on your feet in terms of impact. I don't know, just because of the surface. But in terms of effort, I think... I think trail runs are often more effort because they're a bit more technical than running on a pavement. So require more concentration, like keeping, you know, and, and body weight, not body weight, you know, like keeping your body straight and stuff. Mm. Like after a proper trail run, I always feel like I'm aching all over. I, I wouldn't say there has to be hills. I think you can do a traily technical run along flat, but for a lot of people there are hills. I don't know. I know it's difficult. Though. I always think like the surface doesn't necessarily um define it in a way I don't yeah because for me there's some trails near my house but i have to run to them on roads mm. and paths so if i do you know so i was only like maybe 50 percent of it was trail but to, in my head it was a trail run but then i'm still wearing road shoes because it's been so dry because it hasn't fucking rained in three months mm. so everything's so dry i've just been wearing road shoes so anyway i put this to twitter because if you've ever got a problem you know always know twitter can solve it for you 
uh, and I asked how much trail do you need to classify as a trail run on Strava obviously at least half that was my kind of starting point like it needs to be at least half of you can't you can't just like run on the grass verge for a bit and yeah. then next to the road yeah that is shit so i gave the options 50 to 74 percent 75 to 89 percent 90 to 99 percent or 100 percent the most common answer was 75 to 89 percent 43 percent went for that which i think is about right about three quarters yeah. um 35 yeah. said half to three quarters which again i think is probably okay there was i don't know what the percentage is 8.1 percent said 100 percent a hundred Oh my god. 8.1% are going hard line on this. You've got to like step out your front door and onto trail. <laughs> yeah, you need to, or out of your car and like yeah. leap across the path yeah. and straight onto a field. Otherwise, no, it is not a trail run. How dare you? Yeah. yeah. But what do we reckon? About 75% is what people are saying. And then maybe a little bit around 50 to 74. I guess that feels about 75 feels about right to me. I think that's about right because a lot of people who live near trails, they have to do a bit of pavement running road running to get there yeah so yeah i get that i I don't know it's like and like you say when when do you decide as well when to wear trail shoes especially when it's winter like in the summer you can get away with road shoes for most things Mm. but in the winter if you're running somewhere then you're getting to the trail like you're thinking okay do i put my trail shoes on to run there but i'm only doing like so you're only doing say i don't know 40 30 to 40 percent trail on your run but that trail is going to be really muddy like, do you wear trail shoes? Like, yeah, it's tough. Well, I've just bought new trail shoes because the only ones I had were mud claws, which are obviously like massive. Mm-hmm. And running on a pavement in those is awful because they don't actually have much grip on on a pavement. And also, they're just going to wear down really quickly. So I just bought some like light trail shoes because, especially again, because of this summer, everything's been so dry. I've been wearing road shoes all the time, but now it's starting to get a little bit damp again in places. So I've bought some light trail shoes, which are a little bit better because I just don't want to wear them down. Mm. You can get hybrid shoes, can't you? Kind of like a hybrid. It's, yeah, it's kind of what these are. Mm, I think that's the answer. Anyway. <laughs> so let's catch up from our last episode. At Alison in Galway, messaged and said, "Can you put a trigger warning on this episode? I'm still feeling unsettled. 24 hours after hearing Amy describe her experiences with school netball. Yeah, she said my school PE was just as bad. Navy knickers to wear under mini skirts, smelly hockey boots, and communal showers." PE was BS. Something not right about that when part of your PE uniforms include the knickers. Yeah, that's strange. I've yeah. Never, well, I've never quite considered that. To be fair, so I, like I said last episode, I went to, to school in sort of the, the 90s, the early 2000s. We didn't, have, we didn't have to wear skirts. We got to wear rugby shirt, like rugby style shirts. They were called rugby shirts um, and shorts. So didn't have to wear skirts. I'm sure if you were part of like an official hockey team or netball team for the school, I think you would have to wear skirts because i think they are i don't know if they still are but i think they're part of like women's um uniforms so i can kind of understand but still if you get to the point where you've got to wear a certain color knickers i'm like i don't like that bad vibe like a certain color who's looking that's what i mean like the knickers any school uniform your underwear shouldn't have been show your school spirit yeah you shouldn't you shouldn't be saying what underwear people should be wearing black pants no be one of the team yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really glad I didn't have to wear skirts or anything in for PE. I think I w- that would have been a hard no from the very beginning of doing PE full stop. Nah. <laughs> Helen Patricia says, what a monogamous episode. And uh, this refers to an amazing set of outtakes of Amy trying to say, trying to say what, Amy? Monogamous. Magnanimous. 
Um, I sent that to Patreons, <laughs> as I do every now and then with a good set of outtakes. And Matt Burrows made the incredible suggestion that I just had to make immediately. And, well, there's no point describing it. Here it is. Menagamus. 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 <laughs> guy's got his fucking thesaurus out thank you matt thank yeah. you so much yeah, thanks, that made matt. my week when making i making fun of my speech impediment i don't have a speech impediment i'm just stupid like <laughs> you, you yeah. just can't read or say words that's I, fine i can read i can't say i can't say words you know what? i always struggle with anonymity as well and i just said it perfectly but it, mate. It's, sometimes i have to say it as part of this makes me sound like i'm a spy but it's part of my job i sometimes have to say it publicly um and I, I always struggle. And I know because I build it up in my head. I just did it off the cuff then because I don't give a shit about this podcast and I'll say what I want. I just say it. But when there's pressure on me to say it, I just can't do it. It's just something about anonymity. Just, oh, I always stumble over it. Yeah. Do you want to have a, another go at the at the, the word from this? Um, monogamous. Mon- oh, no. When, when, do, when do people say that? In everyday life, when are people saying that? When do you get to practice? you know oh, english yeah. is my second language thank you but it's not i wish, I wish it was let's have a good excuse then <laughs> amy you've just taken a big sip of tea so i think it's yes. time for a tea update oh yes i've gone for an old favorite today i've gone for bonfire toffee i had a bit of um it was a bit of sort of microphone related trauma that, that doesn't sound right does it that sounds like a sort of <laughs> Not physical. Something you'd go to A and E with, like, and they're, they're pulling it out. I tripped. Uh, yeah, no, I've I've had uh, some trauma right before the podcast recording the Patreon song, which we'll talk about later. So I've had to go for the comfort tea, the old favourite, which is Bonfire Toffee. It's a classic. You can't go wrong. I know. Look, I love it. So is it still free? Is that still the free tea that is oh, yeah. on the... Oh, I mean, we should probably say this at the beginning of this section. Uh, we are partnered with Bird and Blend Tea. Uh, the tea we talk about, you can buy through our website, runningisbs.com forward slash tea, and you can click on our links and get some tea. And we get some money for that, which is lovely. But also, you can put in the discount code tea is not BS and get free bonfire toffee tea. Uh, it's... It's perfect. Like for it, at the moment, I'm looking out my window. It's like grey and drizzly, and it's getting a bit autumnal at the moment. I know we're not through summer yet, but it's quite an autumnal day today. Perfect, perfect. It's becoming seasonal again. Lovely. Are you drinking anything? Yeah, I've also got uh, one that I've had before: milk oolong chai. Oh. Mostly because I haven't got any milk in because I've been out all weekend and I only just got back. I haven't got any milk, so I needed to kind of dig through the shelves to find one I could have without milk. Milk oolong chai. It's got milk in the title, hasn't got milk in it. Don't know why. Kind of tastes creamy. It's kind of a nice spicy oolong tea. It's very nice. Very pleasant. It's like a bit of chocolatiness to it. Mm, I need to stock up on some teas. I cancelled my subscription because I was getting way too many. Just like lots and lots of little pouches. And I need to... I'm going back to buying the big pouches again. Now I've discovered what I like. I need to stock up on some. You Now you're running out. You're, you're down to single figures of tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was too many pouches and now it's not enough pouches. So, yeah, I need to stock up. <laughs> what else have you been up to this week, Amy? Oh, 
this week <laughs> so i've been having more trouble than usual staying upright you know long-term listeners will know i like it i like a bit of a fall over now again trip over a pavement mm-hmm. trip over a tree root whatever uh but i've been having more issues staying upright it's because i've been coming off my ssris which are an antidepressant some people might know that ssris are horrendous <laughs> to stop taking and i am coming off with like doctor's guidance i'm not just jesus christ if you're taking ssris don't just stop taking them jesus that's like the worst thing you could do but it's, it's still difficult like gradually coming off them so you go down and down and down like coming off any medication like that but i swear to god it must be harder than like coming off heroin or something like that and that, Probably, that's not yeah. yeah and i'm not saying that from personal experience just from you know watching that scene in train spotting where the baby's on the ceiling and stuff like that it's not like that it's more that you just feel dizzy all the time it's like having permanent vertigo you get sorry was that that one of the main things of train spotting they're like being dizzy is worse than that (laughs) i think so because in train okay so in train spotting there's that bit isn't there where he goes through his um his withdrawal what's the word when you come in off drugs you know the withdrawal withdrawal yeah withdrawal but you know he's he's in that room isn't he like locks him i haven't watched in years but i think he's in that room he's in there for a few days this has been going on for fucking months now (laughs) I, I wish I could do that. I wish I could lock myself in a room and see a baby on the ceiling and then be fine. No, this has been this goes on for months and months and months. And you get this thing, and those people again on on SSRIs will know you get a thing called head zaps, where <laughs> if you move your head, you get like a, almost like a jolt of electricity, like zapping, and it makes your eyes feel like they're wobbling inside your head. That's an um, unfortunately funny name, though, isn't it? Head zaps, yeah. That it's is like quite a, funny. It'd be like a 80s synth pop sort of band, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, I I, feel, I permanently feel like I've stepped off a waltzer at the moment. I just feel like I haven't fallen over yet, but I feel like it's only a matter of time. I've had a few near misses. So but yeah, that's fun. Yay for not being depressed anymore, but I don't know which is worse. <laughs> I don't know whether I'd be, rather be dizzy or depressed. <laughs> <laughs> that, those, those are your two choices that's yeah, all you have on like Friday swings and roundabouts quite fucking literally I feel like I'm on a roundabout but yeah anyway so that, that's been that's been my cool. well my life for the last few months so what have you been up to <laughs> I've had a lovely time Ooh. I've had a great week I've had a whole week of trail running which I quite like 42k this week which is my longest in ages and I have nearly as many insect bites that's not as good nice. that's really pissed me off the last few days I've had no access to bite cream or antihistamines so I've just got bites all over my legs and a few on my wrist, and it's pissing me off. Yeah, four runs this week, all on trails, and pretty much entirely on trails. Not quite 100%. Sorry say, for you. 100%. Sorry for the hardliners there. I might have stepped on some tarmac at some point. I'm, oh. I'm sorry about that. Um, you can flag me on Strava if you're not pleased about it. I mentioned last week I was going to do a five-mile race. Didn't do that. Pinned it off. Couldn't be bothered. Wasn't quite right. Um, I also, but, you know, I made up for a little bit because the next morning at Park Run, I did try a bit. The main reason I tried, because I was at the Forest of Dean Park Run, which is a complete headfuck of a park run. It makes no sense unless you're right behind someone who knows where they're going. I mean, there are signs, but I kind of forget which ones to follow, because there are yellow signs and then red signs, I think. Yeah. But it still doesn't make sense. It's just one of those ones, you see people running towards you, then they run off in a different direction. You get to a, a junction, you think, right, I'm going to turn right here. And they say, turn left. You're like, what? So it just doesn't make any sense. So basically, uh, I had to try and catch the person in front of me or I had to keep up with them at the very least to try and f- to try and see where I was going. So I had to run fast so I wouldn't get lost. I mean, I guess I could have run slowly to not get lost as well. That would have been an option, but it didn't occur to me at the time. So I ran not a bit fast, and it was quite fun. Not one for me then. No, oh god, no, please. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, please never go to the Forest of Eden Park Run. You don't go to Park Run half a mile from your house, no. so I don't think that's a problem. No, 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 no. <laughs> 
So before we get into our guest, we've got some race cancellations of our own. After our last episode of Race Cancellations is Bullshit, now we're cancelling races, not the whole races ourselves, but races uh, that we're doing. So I've been banging on oh, about this Backyard Ultra I was doing for like four or five months, and I've had to withdraw from that. I've had to pull out of it, because I just can't make that weekend work. Because it's just too complicated, because there's dog care, um, girlfriend's off doing something else that she can't change. And it's I can't do it without having like two nights at an Airbnb and a four-hour drive the day after running maybe 40 miles. No. Um, so that was like my big, most interesting race of the year gone. Sorry, everyone. That's something I was going to complain about for ages. I've been planning training runs. I've been planning like doing my mini backyard ultra for like six hours. But uh, yeah, I just can't make it work. So sod it, leave it. It sounds too complicated. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and my eight-hour race that I was really looking forward to, and I mentioned a few times on the podcast already, has been cancelled because the organisers, Aspire Running, um, have unfortunately ceased trading. They're, oh. they're gone. I know, and I've mentioned Aspire quite a few times on the podcast because I think they're great. They put on some really fantastic events. They're mainly based around Bristol, so sort of southwest of England mainly. Um, and they're always super friendly when you go. They're always really affordable for the races. They seem to just, you know, they're not into making big money, it seems. They're just into putting on an event. So you feel, you feel like it's a really good value for money race. Also, great vegan options at the end of their races. You know, mm-hmm. you, you'd be given like a whole vegan chocolate bar and stuff, which is fantastic, and free event photos, which I love. They have some really great photographers out on the course, and I always know I'm going to get some good photos because I know I'm going to get good photos because they take loads of them. So it's not just like one free like photo you get. You get like a good few of you because there's loads of event photographers out. So I'm absolutely gutted that they're gone. They were so good. I really, really liked their races. Um... If you head over to their Facebook page or their website, they've given like a full explanation of why they've ceased trading. Um, but the general gist of it is that they've had to reschedule so many events because of COVID that it's put a load of financial strain on them um, and they haven't really been able to recover from it. And it's a it's a real shame because, as I say, they put on some really great events. And the eight-hour one, I think it was the first event was last year and that was just fantastic. So the eight-hour one is just a three-point-something loop you can run for eight hours as many times as you want. You know, and, and mm. it's just a it's a real shame that they're they're not going to be trading anymore. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and another one, uh, Leona Batten has messaged to say Beyond Events has also gone, and she has no idea if she's going to get her triathlon money back because they just don't know. Uh, yeah, they did include this sentence in the message they sent. However, a new issue has affected events and entry numbers, and we unfortunately have become victim to the current problem. Oh. Haven't said what that is. Yeah. But it's just, there's an issue. Yeah, there is some issue. I somewhere. do feel they need to be a bit more specific in yeah. these things. So I'm sure you'll get more sympathy from people if you explain yeah. a little bit why. I think Aspire said on their website that all their bank accounts have been frozen. Um, probably because they've talked about financial strain. But yeah. as well, at the same time, their events weren't super expensive. I know some triathlon events can be really expensive. So if I've lost money, I've lost money, you know, like they can't, mm. they've gone under and like you've we've said before it's often part of the t's and c's that they can cancel but like you said i think if they give a good enough not good enough if they, if they give you a proper like reasoning behind it mm. like they're saying you know what our bank accounts have been frozen we're fucked financially you're yeah. probably not going to get your money back you'd be like well yeah, yeah i guess so these things happen <laughs> yeah small companies can't afford to go into debt before an event they can't rely on oh well, we'll make the money back on the day or in six yeah. months time because the bank won't 
just won't give them that money no, to do no, it no, with. No, 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 no. So it's just one of those things, yeah. Yeah, and actually someone did message this week. I forgot who it was. Sorry, I didn't have it down in my notes. Uh, but they did say they read race terms and conditions for the first times before they entered. Like, yes, yeah, that's good. Yeah, don't enter stuff. Well, most race T's and C's will say that they however they phrase it in sort of law speak but most of them will basically say that we can cancel and we don't have to give you your money back so just mm-hmm. don't expect that money to be lost <laughs> you know it's always yeah. a gamble entering races especially because some of them as well we get so used to especially smaller races letting us defer they don't have to let us do that either if we yeah. can't turn up because we're injured or whatever you know they could just turn around and say okay you're not getting your money back it's just one of those things it's always a bit of a gamble yeah, I do think there's a certain amount you can read into the messaging or just the way they write things. Mm. It might be their social media or it might be the emails they send you. I think you can get a vibe from them of how nice they're going to be if something yes. goes bad. So yeah, the big yeah. events, again, they're very corporate. They're very kind of bland and not very interesting. Uh, but the smaller ones are a lot more personal. I think you can probably get a decent feel for those that if they're going to be good to you, if, you know, if things do go bad. At this rate, we won't have any uh, smaller events companies left. So, no. you know. <laughs> no, maybe some of the big ones. Who knows? Yeah. Um, anyway, I have booked another race. What I've done, I've booked an obstacle course race in Chepstow. And I posted about it on Twitter. And I was teased by Michael Dark, who mentioned how I'd find out that upper body strength is bullshit. Which is, to be fair, 100% correct. There's no need for upper body strength. However, this race description contains the line... As this event is for all runners, there are no obstacles which require upper body strength. No monkey bars or rings. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly the kind of race I want. I'm yeah. like, you pick a race that suits you, I'll pick a race that suits me. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, you have to yeah. pick a race that suits your strengths or lack of. I, I just think those sort of Tough mudder style events, they're not for runners. They're not. No. They're for people who go to the gym six days a week and they do a bit on the treadmill <laughs> no they're from someone in your office who goes oh should we do that that'll be fun oh god it's one of those it's a pizza run it's a mo run it's those people i can't imagine anything worse like i said my, my upper body strength is shocking I so can't do you want to do this one worse. with no upper body strength no anything with obstacle <laughs> mate the world is an obstacle you know how i fall like, you know how yeah. i pussyfoot around trails and stuff everything's an obstacle that's to me. why i want you to do it no 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 no. Okay, fine. Anyway, that's the end of October. So, you know, I guess there's still plenty of time to bin that off to. Mm-hmm. Let's see by the time we get there. Anyway, let's get a race organizer perspective on all of this stuff and go over to our guest. So with all the race chat we've had recently, we thought it'd be great to hear from someone on the inside. And so we're speaking to Catherine from Infinity Running, a race events company based in South Wales. Hello. Thank you very much for joining us, Catherine. Hi, Stuart. Nice to meet you. Lovely. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, before we get started, we always kind of ask the question there. Of, tell us a bit about your background in running. Right. So my background in running is um, not very recent, really. So um, as a child, I was always the last one at the back on the cross-country run, walking, hated any kind of sports in school. Um, went through right until I got married when I was uh, 30, which was 21 years ago, and I met my husband. Now, my husband was a very, very keen runner. So at 29, he was the youngest member of the 100 Marathons Club, having mm-hmm. run 100 Marathons sub four hours. So this was during the 80s and 90s, where they had to, you know, there wasn't so many events about, so they travelled yeah, yeah. around the country, into Belgium and France. So he was a really good runner. Still didn't kick my interest up whatsoever, hated it, no interest whatsoever. 
So I got to uh, my mid-40s after having three children, got a bit of middle-aged spread and decided I'd lose a bit of weight. So I lost four and a half stone and decided I'd start doing a little bit of running. So uh, I did a 5K, then I thought, oh, I'll do a 10K now. Then I thought, well, oh, I'll just do one half marathon. One half marathon became 10 half marathons, mm-hmm. 10 turned into 25. And then I thought, I know I'll reach 50 by the time I get to 50. But unfortunately, I broke my hip at 49. Ooh, so I um, was on crutches for six months, didn't heal, then had a hip replacement. So I eventually finished managed to do my 50th a couple of months ago when I was 51. So that's my, kind of my background into running and I'm still got that love-hate relationship with it. Kind of love it, sort of hate it. Not really call myself a runner, more of a fast walker, really. But it's such a wonderful sport. I love it. Well, we're all runners. We're all runners, even if you're walking a lot, you know. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's the best part is walking. Yeah, definitely. This is why Absolutely, I do the yeah. longer races because there's more excuses to walk. So. <laughs> oh, definitely. And chat. <laughs> exactly. How's the uh, hip recovery? How how did that affect you? Yeah, it's fine. So I, that was two years ago. I had my hip replacement. Mm-hmm. So I'm just about now. I'd stay back to 100% again. Okay. Back running and back in the gym and the long road to recovery. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Um. So that brings us on to kind of the main point we want to talk about is infinity running. Where did that come from? Right. So again, this kind of stemmed from my husband. So in um 2017, he decided because I'd started running as well, that he was wanted to do 52 marathons in 52 weeks. So we started looking at booking places, booking different marathons. And of course, what we found that was Wales was pretty sparse with events. Mm. There was, um, I think Cardiff had finished by that point. So there was the Llanethly, the Great Welsh, a couple of dotted about, but we had to travel quite a long way. So over that year, we traveled up to um, Leeds and up to Scotland and down right down south. And I went with him and did a couple of runs. And so as we were doing this, we were thinking, well, we need to have something in Wales. And we came across a couple of companies in England who run um, what to call these timed events. So there's seven hours and the course is 3.3 miles. And you basically run this lap, whether it's an out and back or a loop, as many times as you want in the seven hours. And we thought, this is a pretty good idea. It's quite a nice thing to do. So that's where we started. We first of all had a 5K. Um, locally down the road and only 18 people came and I thought oh my god shit I've made a mistake this isn't going to work and um, we'd already booked the next one I already had all the medals but panic was fine so in the September then we had 150 at our first event and that's continued then for the last four years apart with Covid in between we've got a really regular batch of runners who keep coming back some who have done every single event that we've ever had so that's how we started. So is that your kind of standard race then, a kind of loop races, or have you got other things, other kind of it's nearly race always It's nearly always uh, loop races. So we use a couple mm-hmm. of places. We use Margham Park. So we've got a loop course there, which runs up around behind the castle, which is mm-hmm. a lovely route. Yeah. We use Bringbark. We've been down in Cardiff. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple of out and backs along canals, but we have done a couple of children's races and we did a charity 5K last weekend as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a mix and match, but mostly the timed events is the, what we've kind of yeah. stuck to. So hence Infinity that's the distance infinity that can run. because you can run got it got infinity. it well excellent well for seven hours anyway <laughs> yes yeah a, a finite infinity i think those loop races are really accessible as well because a lot of them i don't know about your events but i don't like a lot of them you can just do one loop and then that's enough and then you can you know that's the absolute beauty yeah. is that people yeah. rock up and on the day they say oh i'm going to do 10k they end up doing a half marathon people yeah. come for the first time is it all right walk i said you can walk you can skip you can hop you can take a break in between laps you can have a chat to sit down. You can get back up and go again. So it's really flexible. And we've got mm. a huge amount of people from people who walk, people who walk with dogs. 
we've got a couple of deaf ladies that come we've got then also the really seasoned sort of ultra runners who end up doing 36 miles and we'll just keep on forever so mm. it's a massive range of people all shapes and sizes all abilities newbies very experienced so it's, it's really lovely mm. so as we've got you here as a race organizer i'm not sure we are we've had race on before we've not had many race organizers in um for these kind of small events so are there things about events and races that runners don't know or just don't think about i guess a, a lot of the thing is in the planning that the runners don't mm. realize whereas um say for example um if we did one here in neath along the canal this would mean i'd have to go to the council with uh, at least three months prior and ask for permission so there's quite a lot of paperwork to fill in for there and that has to go in three months before any planned race at minimum and we have to then wait for approval to come back from them we have to give them a risk assessment which probably runners wouldn't think about we have to now give covid plan risk assessments we've also now this year with uh, new laws that come in have to give um, plans in case of attack so people with cars that might attack because of all the incidents that happened around the world. So there's that to think of. Uh, we have to get permits from whoever provides our liability insurance. So we have to put in all our plans to them as well. So that's another set of paperwork. And then, of course, there's things like the first aid cover. There's things like um, the medals. I know it seems a simple thing, but our medals are massive. I don't even look at our socials, but we've got very big, quite bespoke medals, which are made in China. So we have to have a minimum order. So you have to have a hundred no matter what if you only have two entrants you've still got to have a hundred medals and obviously we have to have these done a couple of months in advance for our publicity and everything else and so that's a big cost on us as well which we have to take whether we do the race or not so um and of course things like on the day like uh, if we go into margan park for example when we do one of ours i normally go down on the friday and mark out the course, which takes me two or three hours with my trolley and all my signs. So it's quite a complicated course. So there's that day. Then the next day, my husband and I go down, we take the trailer down, we put up all the barriers, all the signs, everything else. Then the full race day, we're down there again at about half past six, seven o'clock in the morning for a half past eight, well, half past nine start. So then we're there then for the full seven hours, then all the tidy up. And then the following day again, I have to go down, collect all my signs, fill in all the paperwork and send everything off. So it is a huge plethora of work for, you know, a couple of hours that runners think oh you know I've come for an hour and that's it. So how do you have you got any previous experience in like events planning or anything like that or did you come straight into this and have to learn it all? Absolutely nothing at all I was a primary school teacher so I probably quite well organized and mm. I'm one of those people that likes to have everything all the eyes dotted and t's crossed. Herding children is probably good experience. <laughs> yes that's right <laughs> yeah so I have no experience at all and I've just winged it really, learned it as I've gone along. I bet it was a lot to learn. <laughs> it sounds like a lot. Oh, it's a lot to learn. So, but mm. I, I know that there are now courses that you can go on the race director's okay. course. Oh, nice. Mm. A, a couple of times I've looked at potentially kind of starting to think about putting on races and even I, I just get to the initial stages and just think, no, I just, it's just too much for me. So I'm so glad there are people out there who's willing to take all this on it was actually something you mentioned in there was one of the posts that i remember because i followed your page because i was going to do one of your events and it's one of the posts that jumped out at me and you were saying as you mentioned you have to look at counter-terrorism policies yeah and like, that's right for, a yeah. Small, for a, you know a relatively small event in a park in a country park to have to think about that i mean it's understandable but it's also crazy that that's the level you have to be thinking about yeah that's right and 
Um, and, you know, that's one of those things that's kind of crept up on us quite quickly because the new legislation came out, I think it was last year. So they were quite strict that we had a quite mm. detailed plan about how we deal with if cars came in, if somebody was wandering onto this, whatever the site was or the route. So it's been quite an eye opener in the last couple of years. You can help support this podcast to help us book and cancel races by visiting patreon.com forward slash running as bullshit and donating whatever the hell you want or indeed cancel it if you need to pay your mental energy bill that's gone up by a thousand pounds a month. Um, seriously, if anyone starts to feel the pinch in the coming year, what you give us isn't a huge amount, but make it first on your list of things to cut back on, of course. You know, if it's a choice between giving us some money and even going to a race, give us the money, go and do your races. Yeah, the big dilemma people have, heating, eating, or sponsoring a podcast. Yeah. Oh no, uh, God, what do I do? Let's put this Patreon's freezing. Freezing! <laughs> Their kids are shivering. Free, eating beans on toast mother i'm so hungry but i have to give money to amy to buy our help the kids can't afford shoes i know i know school's writing home little timmy hasn't had new shoes in five years his toes are poking out the end <laughs> like, well i'm sorry i have to buy Stuart some tea yeah it's very important <laughs> it's bird and blend all in the cupboards <laughs> Ooh, lovely tea it keeps me warm <laughs> And to celebrate the people that give us money, we sing their names. And Paul Hibbert got in touch to say another great episode this week. Especially love how Amy subverted the singing of the Patreon names by avoiding any recognisable tune. Oh, fuck off. You know what? It's... <laughs> I had to record that so many... I can't... What, what did I sing last time? Oh, it's Pokemon last time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe unrecognisable to you, Paul, but... <laughs> you loser. Yeah, you know Pokemon. You know what? Uh, I bet Paul has not even caught them all. No, no, no. For a Pokemon master like me, that you know what? The irony is that's the best one I think I've ever done. <laughs> I mean, it was up there. It was? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Piss off, Paul. Well, we've got a new donor this month. Thank you very much to Lee Wood, who was our previous guest. Anyway, we think we've got something that Paul will like this week as we continue our tactic of blinding you with your own nostalgia. Ritzker, Neil, Denton, Julia, Page, Karen, Hamilton, Ian Thompson, Matt Catherine, Debbie, Hurley, Matthew, War, Shambolic, Adult, Dan Roberts, Anthony, Howe, Gaze, Seal, Matt Burroughs, Martin, Captain, Max, McCarty, Clark, Gilmore, Andy Robbins, Claire, Diener, Viola, Greg, Greg Collins, Drew, Edwards, Jason, Stinks, Leeward, Cherry Grubbs, Matt Lee's H, Matt H, Matt Newbury Brian, Brian Simpson Hugh Phillips, Cassie Jones, Carl Fleming, Sophie Nichols, Matt Jones Adam, Adam Atkinson Amanda, Murray Hine, Gabby Thomas, Naya Amanda E. Hernandez, Stuart Stevens, Rachel Bormore Angela Foster Swales, Maria Wicks, David Irwin, Matt Donna, Penny Simpson, Ian Hales, Karen Blay, Sam Wally, Catherine Fenton, Nikki Genders, Gordy Farewell, Rachel Bentley, Sophie Jacks, Victoria Dick, Paul Hibbert, Elliot Lyne. AP Kath Everard, James Lampert, Ruth KP, Len Martin, Jonathan Carter, Kel Ryder, 
McCarthy, Raymond Quinn, Elizabeth Shaban, Iber Hewitt, Victoria, Victoria Magnus, Kirk Shepherd, Matt Jevizowski, Lisa, Lisa Gibbon, Jay Liz Reese, Charlie Neverson, Francis Howe. That's the end. I'm not recording this fucking song again because I've done it too many times. And my mic keeps cutting out. I'm not fucking recording this again. So this better be good enough. You're tough shit. Amy, you have outdone yourself again. Thank you. That might even be better than Pokemon. It was. It wasn't better than Pokemon. Purely Pokemon. for the improv at the end. <laughs> I was so. I was so. I, I was getting really angry, and I was going to throw my microphone out the window. Like literally, I was going to like do like a a rage sort of punch a hole in the wall, white man rage sort of thing. But I, I calmed down. <laughs> Calm well, we down. did ask recently whether we should move this section to the end or keep it where it is. And one of the comments I liked was, it breaks up the talking, which is one of those wonderfully backhanded compliments that we really thrive on. <laughs> you know what, though? If, you, if you're not into lots of talking, don't listen to a fucking podcast. This is like the radio. <laughs> or you just want to break it up every now and then. Don't just have a little yeah. rest. Yeah, just a bit of Like, silence. there's a music come on. You go, oh, thank goodness. Oh, my God. Oh, so much concentrating on talking. God. <laughs> oh, well... Speaking of talking, don't forget to get in touch with your running bullshit on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search Running is BS and unload your misery onto us. At Michael Igo tweeted us to say, you know what's BS? Summer marathon training. It's effing stupid. You're knackered anyway from all the running, but you get up at 5am to beat the heat and melt anyway. Absolutely. Autumn marathons are awful. Yeah, no, I don't. I I think I did beat the heat waking up at 5am during the last heat wave once. Not again. But you can't beat the humidity, unfortunately. No, no, no. And it's still just horrific and shit, isn't it? <laughs> and the problem is, if you do winter marathon training, you turn up in like end of March, do your marathon. Oh, no, look, it's the first hot day of the year and you're still fucked. Yeah, yeah. Always happens. Renee Menon has also been in touch and said, Today's excitement was thanks to a bear sighting during my evening run. I was told Montana was full of bears. They weren't lying. Turns out I don't just attract rattlesnakes. That is terrifying. What's it doing on the train lines? It's just waiting for a train. So what's the bear thing? You'll know this uh, you'll know this one. If it's black, attack. If it's brown, lay down. If it's white, good night. I know nice. my bear safety. So if, if it's a black bear, you should like make yourself really big and shout. Oh yeah, yeah, black bears are pussies, you can scare them. Brown bear You're dead. You're dead. White polar bear, good night. I mean gone. In a way, a polar bear shouldn't be a surprise because you'd have to be in the Arctic and you probably should be expecting it. It would be a surprise. They're white and there's snow fucking everywhere. It would be a very big surprise, wouldn't it? Come out of nowhere. (laughs) They just turned up, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Perhaps this bear's having a bad time. It's just waiting on the train tracks. I see stuff like this and I am so thankful for living in the UK. (laughs) Yeah, we haven't got shit to deal with. Though, um, went to the Forest of Dean again. Still never seen any fucking wild boars. Uh, Girlfriend heard boars and we think William got near them. Oh God! So, we've we've now one of us has heard boars after going there dozens and dozens of times. What, what, were they like? What were they doing? Just in some long grass, and oh. so yeah, they kind of had to call the dogs away and like go the other direction. Would they attack a dog? Yeah. Would they? Yeah, win? I think one got killed fairly recently. A dog. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. 
yeah, if they're protecting their piglets, ballets, whatever, okay. then yeah, dog goes over, very interested, and then yeah, ball have you. Jeez. Right, anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, we literally about 10 minutes ago received this, uh, but we thought it was 100% worth adding in. It says, Dear Amy and Stuart, mm. I recently found my holy grail of bra wear. It's the first bra ever that I own that is comfortable both when running and when not running, and instead just being too lazy to wear anything else. It's also actually pretty and still keeps my boobs from doing their separate runs when I'm running. So, just ran my longest run of 19k before a half marathon. When I met my partner at the cafe we agreed to meet at, he greeted me with, are you bleeding? Picture attached. Chafing is fucking bullshit. Thanks for the podcast. It often makes me laugh out loud. Best, Leandra. Let me scroll down to this picture. Jesus Christ. Is that from the bra I take it? I just love that she's running around on this 19k, having a great time, thinking, oh, this is great. It's really comfortable. And there's just blood. All over her top and Mate. hadn't noticed. Mate, that's bad. You're going to have scars. <laughs> I mean, how did you... I don't know how you could not know you're bleeding from chafing. Because chafing is bad. I've had bad chafing, but I don't think it's ever really bled. But I've known about it. Mate, I've been having butt crack chafing something crazy lately. Like, never before. I hope, I hope you got black shorts. But you know what? It doesn't bleed through the shorts. But afterwards, in the shower, I'm like, what has happened? something ruptured yeah. and it's not it's just chafing i think it's the heat like tmi but it's the heat <laughs> it's the oh. heat and the sweat <laughs> bad times uh i guess that wasn't a great bar yeah it's like a murder scene get well soon not strictly a message just a interesting discussion i spotted on the women's fell running alliance facebook page about man versus horse now you might expect the name to raise a few eyebrows but it's actually the format of the event that has been called into question the race as you may know is over about 22 miles and involves like a thousand runners and about 60 horses and the idea is if someone beats the horse they could win an accumulating prize fund that has in the past reached £25,000. However, due to the distance and the speed required to beat the horses, it's almost certain it'll only ever be a man who is able to win that prize money. It's only ever happened three times in 40 years. So does that make the prize fund unfair, as women don't have the same opportunity to win that prize? Discuss. So firstly, the man versus horse bit... I take that to mean man as in like human, mankind, not yeah, just like, I, I think so, not yeah. literally like a male, you know? So I think mm-hmm. that that's one thing just to clear up. I always think stuff like that is like, it means like a human versus like an animal. Um, I mean, it's just like, it's just one of those things, you know, this isn't the fucking Olympics or something or, you know, Premier League football where people are arguing for equal prize money, which you know absolutely makes sense but you know it has been 25 grand that's a lot but you've got to be a horse <laughs> you know what i mean like it's not it's a weird thing it's already a weird thing and then the people are getting into discussion on the facebook group like could a woman win a horse that just is the race it's not a, a distance if it was like a certain distance you say right whoever wins this race over this certain mm. distance the men it, and it, it, there's only an overall winner you know, and that has to be, a, that's always going to be a man. It, it's, it's a weird sort of quirky race where you've yeah. got to beat a horse. Like, I don't know how else you do, apart from not doing the race. I know what they're saying about, some people are saying about having like a woman's winner and stuff, but you either beat the horse or you don't. <laughs> do you know what yeah, I mean? I like th- <laughs> That's the thing, because it's not a fixed time. It's not like if you do the 22 miles in two and a half hours, you win. It's if you do the 22 miles in whatever speed is better than the horse. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but they did 
early on, I think they said they changed it um, a few years in to make it tougher or to make it closer. But, of course, they based all that on the speed that a man could run versus right, the speed okay. that a horse could run. Granted, I don't know much about this event other than, like, the, the premise of it. Mm. So if there's different mathematics getting involved in terms of let's work out can we make it easier if, if they're working out how they can make it easier for a man to win then maybe they could level the playing field a bit but mm. if, if it is just simply can a man beat a horse and it just so happens that over that distance it's more likely a man will win i don't it's just a weird race isn't it it's yeah. just like a quirky and as far race. as i can see there's no other prize money so you know whoever the first man or woman is behind the horse i don't think they win any prize money i couldn't see from their website mm. so it's i think it's just an interesting discussion i don't know what the answer is i'm not saying mm. it's bad i'm not saying it's a bad event i see because you said it's an interesting premise mm. and that's what it is and that's what it currently stands at and they haven't really responded that well to it because i guess they've kind of been quite defensive about it because i yeah, can imagine yeah, yeah. kind of understandably i think it's one of these things that if you if you do question it and if you do go after it i think you need to try and offer a solution because yeah, otherwise you yeah. go in accusing someone especially like this it's very easy for them to just read that as you're being sexist stop it and then obviously you go immediately defensive yeah yeah, so, yeah. I th- I, so i don't know again i don't know what the answer is i think it's just an interesting kind of discussion to to think about like is it unfair or is it just is it just a weird event that it's okay and there's not know. there's not been many winners full stop it's not like every year a man wins the race you mm. know yeah. It's it's a difficult race, and like I said, if there if there is stuff going on behind the scenes in order to make it easier for someone to win, then yeah, they'd probably need to factor women into those calculations. I think that was a long yeah. time ago. After the first yeah. few editions, they, they they tweaked it a little bit to make it a bit more even. But I guess yeah. in in you know the early eighties, it was probably only men running it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Now the whole premise is that, like, let's see if we can have a man be as in like a human be yep. a horse, then. I, what else is there to it i don't really understand it's just first over line if it happens to be a man it happens to be a man i don't yeah. know maybe that's my eternalized misogyny coming out again <laughs> why do women take so long in toilets and no women shouldn't be able to race a horse and win perhaps they should race female horses yeah yeah <laughs> would yeah. that be fair a separate race <laughs> <laughs> or for just shit or horses. shetland pony <laughs> yeah women can race shit horses <laughs> woman versus shit horse <laughs> I could race a Shetland. I don't know how fast Shetland ponies are. I can't imagine they've got much stamina either. I could probably beat a Shetland pony, I say. Yeah, but you also say you could punch out a sheep, so I'm not. Uh, yeah, I you. could do that too. Oh, God, here we go. I could do both of those things. I could do both at the same time. I would run through a field chasing the Shetland pony, and the sheep would try and gather to stop me because, they're, you know, say George Orwell's animal farm sort of style, they're all mates and they're all in on it, you know, four legs good, two legs bad. But I would beat those sheep i beat my way through the sheep in order to take my victory over the horse mankind over animal yeah four legs good two legs better yeah 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 <laughs> uh, saying all that i still kind of want to do the race next year yeah <laughs> i'll still give it a go I, my only thing so um jen spoke to me about man versus horse before and said you need to do it the, the horse is running at the same time like next to you <laughs> yeah I don't want to do that. I ain't Sounds getting hilarious. anywhere near a horse. Nothing to do with gender why I wouldn't win. It's because I'm fucking petrified of horses. Maybe that's why women haven't won. Maybe we, we, we just know that horses shouldn't be fucked with and just stay away from them. Could be that, yeah. You know? <laughs> anyway, moving on, we've got a little bit of bullshit marketing from Gabby Nair again. And she sent us this. It's quite long. I don't know. I'm going to have to some, pick out some bits of this. But it's new. Introducing the APL McLaren High Speed. High, of course, is spelled H-Y. 
Um, good news, everyone. APL and McLaren have joined forces to create a new range of footwear that further progresses design, performance, technology, and construction. Uh, it's got a breathtaking new silhouette. Uh, and looking at the shoe, no, it hasn't. It looks like a shoe. Uh, it's, as, it's essentially a grand tourer for your feet. Not sure what that means. It's got a three-piece segmented midsole. Cool. Carbon fiber plate. Well, of course, these days. Uh, it's the directional weave of the carbon fiber chassis promotes forward movement. Oh, what good. Would, yeah, yeah, that promotes forward movement. That's a good idea. The outsole is inspired by performance tires with a tread pattern designed to with a tread pattern designed for speed and traction. So you can get around high speed corners at 150 miles an hour really well. Why why would you want the sole of your shoes to be like a tire on a car? It's a very different action. It is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I, I think, like, when I think of shoes where you want to go fast, I think light, really light. When I think of tyres on a car, I think heavy, very heavy. Yeah. Um, at luxury inspired by the elegant touch points in McLaren's line of supercars. I'm going to say, McLaren, stay in your lane. Don't come fucking yeah. with shoes. Because I look at this shoe, and you know what? It looks like a shoe. It's got that weird thing, like a gap between the heel and the front, as a lot of kind of fancy shoes do now these days. But it just looks like a shoe. It's an it looks orange horrific. shoe. It looks horrible. It looks like something off a of Wish. Not going to lie, it looks exactly like something you'd buy off a of Wish. It's because it's completely orange with nothing else. There's no other de- well, the detailing, but there's no other colour. There's no white or black, anything. It's just orange. So it kind of looks cheap. I, I also I don't understand how they can get away with certain phrases like promoting forward motion. Well, like it's they, not they the can shoes get away with it because it doesn't mean anything. But she's not helping you move forward. You move no, forward. No, no, it's not helping. It's just promoting it. It just promotes you to move just forward. I don't know. It. Some of it's I like, think very on the cusp of trading standards getting involved. You know. Well, the thing is they can't get involved because it literally means nothing. So there's <laughs> word nothing... salad. Yeah, it is. Uh, they're five hundred and twenty-five pounds. What? What? Hold on. 520. Yeah, what? 525 pounds. Oh, there's a yellow one. 555 pounds. I'm sorry, but why would you spend that much on a shoe? Because you're a cunt who buys McLaren cars and wants to spend 500 pounds on I feel the thing is as well, that that's how, so if you're into like your shoes and stuff and you collect like, you know, you're a sneakerhead and you're into collecting your shoes that you sort of like put on the wall and stuff yeah you'd probably pay that much money but for an actual running shoe that you're actually going to go out and run in i can't imagine anyone spending 500 pounds on that well some people well people spend four hundred thousand pound on cars that they just drive to the shops in so oh my god just to i'll just put them in the garage and look at and then tell people they have one i don't know man this is a disgusting horrible shoe anyway yeah shit Right, anyway, let's jump back in with Catherine to hear a bit more about how hard races are to do. The big thing recently, and the really big thing we've seen this year and especially over this summer, um, is something we want to get in touch with you because I saw your Facebook updates and it got to the point where you really started to struggle with your races in terms of attendance the amount of extra work that you did. Now, I see this quite often on races, but they can be very corporate sometimes. They can be a bit vague, especially recently we've seen very vague. But what I really liked about yours is they were so honest and they were so personal, but without being, you know, you could really get self-indulgent and kind of bit kind of whiny about these things. But I liked your posts because they were just straight out. This is the trouble we're having. We're trying to do it the best we can, but it's really, really difficult. 
And that's kind of that's what kind of really endeared me to kind of you and your company, especially. So I was very disappointed when the race was cancelled because I want to come and have a chat with you afterwards. Um, so what kind of difficulties have you been running into this year? Well, it's, it was, of course, COVID hit us quite badly in the first mm. in the first instance. But luckily, I well, maybe not luckily, but my hip was broken anyway. So that would have stopped <laughs> our events as it happened. And so it did coincide quite well. But since COVID, I think there's been such a massive sort of um, rollover of events that were cancelled during the COVID that the market is just absolutely flooded completely. If you look on the 100 Marathons website, which gives all the marathons around the UK, every weekend there's like 20 or 30 events. I mean, how can you compete with that? And when the big corporate companies have got massive sponsorship a massive back-in, and people think that those are the only events that exist. So the small companies like ours are really struggling. And I know it's not just me, it's our friends that have got companies up in Shropshire and across London as well that are finding it really hard to actually drag the runners in, despite most of ours coming back and, you know, a lot of word of mouth and we've got a very good reputation. It still doesn't seem to be pulling the people in. And it's a shame because the, the big corporate companies, a lot of them are struggling as well, but you can imagine they've got enough cash flow, they've got enough stuff in the back pocket to sort of keep them going. It'd be, it, I think there needs to be both. There needs to be the smaller companies and there needs to be the bigger companies. Like it creates a nice sort of ecology of running events. And it'd be a real shame if if a lot of companies, smaller companies went under because of, because of this, definitely. Yeah, and uh, you know, I do it because I love I love the running and I love our runners. And for me, it's not really about the profit. I know it sounds mm. a crazy thing to say, mm. but I'd still put on the races even if we didn't make much profit. Mm. Because for me, the biggest thing is seeing the runners come in and seeing people achieving goals. I mean, we've had two Polish ladies who came to us first, started off at 5k and then I ran in ultra marathons. And to wow. be able to see somebody progress over a couple of years. Is just the most amazing thing ever. It is a community, isn't it? It's, it's an absolute community. Yeah. And everybody knows each other and we all stop and have a chat. And people hang around for hours after they've finished and sit down with a cup of tea because we always have tea and coffee and a chat. And it's all really friendly and really kind of encompassing for everybody. So anyone who comes always feels welcomed and at home. And of course, the beauty with doing loops is that you don't know where anybody else is. So mm. you don't know whether you're first, you're last. You don't know whether... Somebody's done 10 laps, one lap, you know, it's it's lovely. You know, it's really nice. You're never on your own, there's always somebody. Yeah. That's quite a pertinent point there. Something I want to mention as well, because again, another one of your Facebook updates that I enjoyed is that you say you know your um races are very competitively priced. They're relatively cheap compared to a lot of other races. And one of the things that you offer is so simple, but it's just free tea and coffee. And there was a post and you were really struggling with the fact that you might not be able to offer free tea and coffee. And I just thought that was just kind of wonderful. That's the point you're worrying about. You're not like, we're not going to make as much profit. We haven't got a thousand runners like we did last year. It was just like, I'm so sorry, but we might have to charge you for tea and coffee. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's perhaps... <laughs> I haven't got the business ethos that I need to be a bit more cutthroat but um you know once once you start providing things to runners and they come to kind of ex not expect them but they like those elements of the race yeah. and of course a lot of our runners turn up an hour early just so they can have a cup of tea and come and have a chat with you because for a lot of them it's you know it's a lot about mental health not just the running the mental health yeah. is such a massive point of running and mm. especially for a lot of the runners that do actually come to our events and I suppose as well you know 
it's not just about creating copy like even putting on the event in the first place all the things you're going through at the beginning of the interview I'm sure a lot of those things cost money like the permission from the council and stuff like that so you, you know you don't want to be at a loss you need to be making enough money to actually put the event on in the first place yes that's right but if you do make a loss well you know that's the nature of the business isn't it so yeah. sometimes you have to take the loss and that's what disappoints me about the big companies really is that they, they can't seem to take a loss they'll you know step back and come out to it straight away but if you're in this kind of business you have to take the losses with the gains as well don't you yeah it's exactly what i said last week you know there's companies who cancel races because they won't make money on it but there's the club and community races that will put on a race if they lose money and they may lose a little bit of money they i guess they will hope they will make it up but they will potentially lose that money to in order to put on this race and continue that community yeah that's right yeah so do you think it is that mainly that reason of oversaturation then if what have people said to you about why they're not entering races or your races or other races in general i think the majority of people it's the covid rollover for a lot mm. of people it's still catching up on races you know they'll say oh we've looked at your dates and it clashes with such and such that's been rolled over from mm. last year or two years ago i think also there's the crisis with the economy at the moment people yeah. can't afford to pay for petrol they can't afford to pay for 20 30 40 pound 50 some of them to go to a race mm. you know they have to prioritize families and everything else so i think it's a bit of a culmination of quite a lot of different things i think mostly covid seems to be having a big knock-on effect and i think a lot of people haven't gone back to running they lost seem to lost their fitness during the lockdown and just haven't sort of wandered back into it and a lot of people are still nervous about mixing with people possibly with health conditions and families and which is completely understandable and i totally understand mm. Yeah, because we weren't allowed to run together for a lot of the, at least in, I know things were slightly different in England, but at least for, you know, those guys in Wales, like the, the rules were quite strict around exercising and stuff for a long time and get coming back into place. I think some of it's, like you're talking about mental health as well. Some of it is, of course, people have very legitimate concerns about so socialising with other people in terms of catching COVID, but also in yeah. terms of like mental health. I think a lot of people have developed like social anxiety through being so isolated over this time. Oh, certainly mental health has certainly skyrocketed since COVID. So many people who would have come and run before say, no, well, I, I, I can't face going into a big crowd. I'm worried about COVID. Mm. So, you know, it's had a massive effect and we really need to try and get all the runners back into and supporting local Definitely. communities and small races. And, you know, there was two million runners in lockdown. Don't quite know where they all went. <laughs> the they were for the first week. and then <laughs> Yeah, and then they all gave up. Yeah, when they realised like yeah how rubbish it is they thought oh, yeah then it got too hard. cold yeah not going out in the rain in the cold <laughs> yeah <laughs> perhaps it was partly our fault for putting them all off <laughs> <laughs> so following all this and these kind of um troubles you've had over summer what are your plans for this year and the rest of the year well we have um two more races booked now in october so we've got one of our timed ones up in Brimbach, and then we've got a 5k and a 10k halloween run and a kids run in october and then the plan for us is to take a couple of months out of the races mm -hmm see how the economy lies and see whether the calendar kind of opens up a little bit back for us to get back into the calendar again. Mm -hmm. Of course, all our runners are absolutely devastated that we're going to take a couple of months out. They're all desperate for us to get back. But yeah. um, I think we need to see that the economy is because we can't expect people to keep coming back to races, the economy as it is at the moment. So mm -hmm. we'll have a little break and see where we can go from there. Yeah, um, I know you, you do. I know you do these loop events and you've done the the one I had entered, I entered it specifically because I'd never seen anything like it. And that's what I, that's what I was really looking for this year was this kind of idea of 20 minute blocks, doing a lap, and then it's 19 minutes, then it's 18 minutes, that kind of thing. 
and I love that you try those kind of different things because that's that's what I'm really interested in at the moment. Are there any other kind of race formats you've got in mind or anything you'd like to give a try? Ideally, you know, if you had, you know, a, a um, oh, well, we've we've got lots of things in our minds. We would like to do a track, a 24 hour truck run, because I don't mm-hmm. think there's many of those in Wales. So um, we did a last run of standing actually virtually during lockdown. Mm-hmm. So we jumped online and everybody went off. I blew a whistle on the on the iPad. And we uh, we had um, somebody go for 23 hours. They did a mile every hour for 23 hours. So that was quite good fun. So I'd quite like to do that one as a mm-hmm. live event. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to, Yeah, we've got quite a lot of different ideas of themed loops, themed events, like eating a pizza every slice or eating a donut every slice. Or, mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got lots of different ideas. But, of course, another thing is finding the venues and yeah. finding the places to be able to do them, somewhere that's got parking, somewhere that's got toilets, it's not as simple as just, oh, that's a nice course, but there. Yeah. Logistics are mm. sometimes not possible. Yeah. Mm. And of course, it's I love that you try different things, but they are inherently risky because a five or a 10K is a lot more marketable. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And we talked about that and whether we should actually just concentrate on the five and 10K. So it's something that we'll think about and see where we go. But we do love the themed, the, the timed events. Yeah. And yeah. I really Please do love them. Those. Yeah. And it's such a nice opportunity to see how far you can push yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's key is like encouraging runners and saying you know it might be seven hours but you don't have to run for that entire seven hours you know just come and have a go do as much as you can you might surprise yourself you know I think I think they're super accessible those sorts of events oh the number of people that come and say oh I'm only doing one lap today yeah, yeah. five laps six laps later they're still yeah, going yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd, well, like, I'd have another Jaffa cake <laughs> <laughs> so the final question that we ask all our guests is what is the most start that, sorry let me start that all again so the final question that we ask all our guests is what is the most bullshit thing about running? Oh, the most bullshit thing about running. I think it has to be the planning. <laughs> and the planning for running is bullshit. <laughs> See, that's my favourite bit. It goes on forever. The paperwork especially is just horrendous. And oh. it's just pages and pages and pages of it. Oh, in terms of and races, yeah, I guess so. and, Oh, it's not nice. <laughs> but that's what you have chosen to do. <laughs> It is what I've chosen to do, yeah. yes. And I do enjoy it secretly. <laughs> I bet the health and safety forms are absolutely horrific. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so where can people find out more about you and your races? Oh, we've got a website, which is www.infinityrunning.co.uk. We're also on Facebook and Twitter as well. Fantastic. I hope people uh, keep an eye out for you in your last few races this year. And Hopefully you're back next year with some more exciting themed loops and things and people can look you up and hopefully join in. Yes, hopefully so, because the running community needs lots of small events. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. It does. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you both. Cheers. Thank you. And thank you so much to Catherine for talking to us. I am super excited to announce that since we took the terrifying prospect of no tea and coffee very much to heart during that interview, we reached out to our friends at Bird and Blend, and you know what? They agreed to provide free tea to Infinity Running at their next race. That's pretty good, isn't it? How good is that? That was, Amy, we've made a difference. We have, and well done to Bird and Blend, like, you know? I thought it was a bit of a punt, you know, we, you know, she's got, you know, a couple of hundred people running, you know, all day. They need a decent amount of tea bags. I thought, you know what, it's worth an email. She mm. said, she, you know, she's tried bits and pieces in the past, but the races are too small and companies aren't really interested. So I thought, well, you know, we know a guy. Um, so, yes, yeah, an email. They pretty much came straight back and said yes. And she's got the tea bags already. So she is ready. Oh no harm in asking, is there? 
Yeah, and if you're doing the Lucky Dip race in October with Infinity Running, you'll get some damn good tea. And you know what? Me and Holly will probably be there as well. And I'm pretty sure we will. We haven't booked it yet, but we're gonna. It's worth doing it just for that. I mean, like the tea, not you and Holly, but yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, for the tea. <laughs> and I like the idea of this event is there's no specific medal for this event. It's just that she's got a box of medals left over from all the yeah. other races. So you can go do your event, do run for your seven hours and then just grab a medal. I love that. It's a good idea. I mean, rather than throwing them out, what else are you going to do with them? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And you'll always remember that then when you've got some random medal yeah. from something like, well, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people won't like that because they don't want a medal for a thing they haven't done. But, you know, you just don't oh, have to take one. Get over it. Jesus. <laughs> I hate all that. You don't wear the T-shirt if you didn't run it. And they're like, oh, just get over it. It doesn't matter. And Amy, you booked that race as well, didn't you? I did straight away. And then straight I away. emailed them and asked for a refund because I realised I was going away that weekend. <laughs> I, didn't I literally, I sat at my desk, my work desk and did it with my diary right next to me. And didn't even look at my diary. You sent I, me I a message to it. say, I've just booked it. And then like less than a minute later, oh shit, I'm in Geneva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I opened my diary to write it in and I was like, oh no. So mm. yeah. How's the cancellation there? policy? It was great. I emailed, so it's not through them, it's through like a third party website. So I emailed the party website. I'm like, oh, I didn't check my diary. I'm actually going to be away. And they just sent the money back. Oh, there so, we go. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> so, so then, yeah. Yeah, another good thing about Infinity there. Yeah. Big fans over good. here. Yeah. The bullshit running news. Oh, what a shit story this is. UK athletics coach banned for life for sexually inappropriate behavior. Oh. Why are we not surprised, though? Uh, Tony Minicello, who worked with British athletes, including Jess Ennis-Hill, faced 530 allegations of unwanted touching of athletes, bullying and emotional abuse. The investigation found 11 charges proven, including allegations that Minicello touched two athletes' breasts and that he made another athlete sit in the corner with a dunce cap on. Full list of findings is available on the UK Athletics website. Minicello has denied the charges made against him, claiming UK Athletics handled the investigation unfairly and it was one-sided. Probably was. They're probably just doing that thing where they believe victims based on evidence. It's terrible. The 30 though. witnesses they had, they probably Yay. just believe them over him. God. Yeah, and the, you know, looking at the 530 allegations. You know, and I, I say, oh, that's not surprising that this story's come out, not because I think all UK Athletics coaches are perverts or anything like that but we are seeing more like people in organizations since like the whole me too movement mm -hmm. like people feeling like they can come forward with these things you know there's yeah. a lot of allegations i can't remember how many years it spans now but it's going to span a lot of time but i'm glad yeah. that i'm not glad these things happen it's horrendous but i'm glad that people these things do happen i'm glad that people are starting to feel confident enough to report it so it can hopefully happen less yeah, uh, part of the story on Runner's World is um, someone did make a similar allegation 15 years ago and she was just told, well, you just stay away from him. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, things yeah. have changed. The culture's changed and also like the critical mass of it has changed. So, you know, a lot of people have, have come forward over this and I think that is part of it as well, is getting that critical mass when, when this is obviously so insidious within... Um, uh, was so insidious within culture. I guess it's, it still is a bit somewhat, but yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So our next story is about feet. Great. Yes. <laughs> so a through hikers Appalachian trail record has been spoiled by some funky feet. So hiking the Appalachian trail, which covers almost 
2,200 miles from Maine to Georgia. Takes the typical hiker sort of five to seven months. On July 24th of this year, Amy Sproston began a quest to complete it in less than 50 days. Just nice. absolutely insane. However, her fastest known time attempt was derailed in July after she encountered flooding and wet conditions and developed trench foot. Now, when I think trench foot, I think GCSE history. <laughs> World War One GCSE history, trench foot, sort of think it's in the past. It's not in the past. Oh, yeah. I kind of think it's people that go out in the rain and they go, oh, I've got a bit of trench foot. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but no, no, this is a this is a thing. <laughs> this is literally trench foot. So trench foot is a condition resulting when a person's feet are too wet for too long and it causes heaviness, tingling, numbness, and is, if left untreated, can result in permanent nerve damage or tissue loss. And it is estimated that during World War I, Trenchfoot killed almost 80,000 American and British soldiers. I had no idea it killed people. I guess, the, yeah, after a while, you lose, te- yeah, you lose tissue, yeah. you get infected. And that's just American and British soldiers. There would have been a lot more of that on the other side as well. So when you get a slightly wet foot, you haven't got a trench foot come no, down. Your no, foot's no, just no. wet. Oh, so um, despite trying lots of different gear, I was reading she was like changing her socks and stuff as much as possible. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, but that just wasn't enough, you know. I'm sure some people were really like, oh, we just change her socks. Like she hadn't thought of that. Um, so Sproston eventually had to give up on the attempt because of the pain that she was experiencing. And obviously, you know, you don't want to lose vital tissues that no. you need on your feet and no. uh, cause permanent nerve damage. So, and there's a lovely picture as well. You can't even blame me for this. You added this to the notes. I added the picture. Yeah, including I, the picture. If I had to see it, then you have to see it as well. <laughs> yeah, and she, we'll have to retweet this. Um, it's a comparison of someone's feet during his successful hike, and foot looks absolutely fine. And there's her foot, which is a fucking mess. It literally looks like the skin's just going to fall off. Yeah, it looks like a piece of tripe. <laughs> it's disgusting. Wow. Anyway. Wow. Right, what you got coming up next? <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, I'm missing one of my favourite races of the year for the first time. The Butte Town Mile in Cardiff is mm. a fantastic mile race uh, right near your house that you've probably never done. Um, I've, I've done it every year. I have done year. it. I have oh, done right, it. All right. I've done it oh, once. Once, fine. <laughs> I've done it every year it's been back, like five or six years. I have to miss it because I've uh, got a trip to Norwich at the same weekend and I was gutted that I uh, did it at the same time but never mind um, I will probably try another park run next week so be prepared for some excuses for the next time and maybe in a couple of weeks maybe a fell race if I'm up to it like I would say like a medium one 15k 800 meters of elevation probably fine navigation should be quite easy that sounds all right <laughs> yeah it sounds all right how about you Nothing. I'm not doing the rhythm. So the rhythms, I, no. I mentioned this last episode. Yeah. yeah. Achilles still isn't great. It's healing, but it's not great. Um, and now I'm not doing the Aspire 8-hour race. I've got nothing coming up until like November when I'm Are doing... Are you secretly relieved by that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, not a secret at all then, actually. No, no, absolutely relieved. That was the thing. Like when the 8-hour race was cancelled, part of me was absolutely gutted because oh, I, I did. I really enjoyed last year. It was fantastic. But the other part of me was like, thank fuck I haven't got to train for that. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, a bit of an emotional rollercoaster. But yeah, nothing coming up now. Hmm. Well, perhaps Amy has something to talk about in the next episode. We'll find out. Maybe, maybe. If you've enjoyed this bullshit, you can visit runningisbs.com to see the show notes and the links from this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon merch store and social medias. Bye! Whoa!
road is an obstacle.